All right, well, good morning again. Uh, my name is Jeff Peck. I'm one of the pastors here at Portico Church, and it is really good to be with you all. Uh, it's Family Sunday, as we've mentioned a couple of times. So if you're a parent with a small child, they get a little squirmy, a little bit noisy, that's okay. We're going to get through the next three hours together. Don't worry. <laughs> No, but uh, seriously, folks, on these fifth Sundays, we take a break from our typical sermon series, and we do something a little bit different. Uh, The last four of these, Pastor Nate was going through a series that was looking at the four major movements of the Bible story, uh, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And so uh, this morning, we are going to be uh, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43, so if you want to open up your Bible and turn there. You can. We're going to be in Isaiah 43 this morning, and we've touched on comfort already a couple of times this morning, both in the song and in the catechism question. And our text this morning provides us words of great comfort. And they are great comfort to those of us who are right now suffering, and they provide great comfort to those of us who are not suffering right now but will be suffering sometime in our life. So in other words, these words are for all of us because everyone in this room is either suffering something right now or will in the future. And so this is for us. And what we're going to see this morning is that the people of God can take great comfort in the Lord's salvation. The, uh, the reason that uh, I decided to pick, pick these verses this morning is that there's, uh, there's, there's a guy in my life that, that I know pretty well who was going through a tough season of his life, a uh, season of suffering. Uh, he was experiencing severe anxiety and just lost a lot of joy in his life, was having, just having trouble getting through the day, having trouble getting up in the morning, getting out of bed. And uh, this was tough for him. It was tough for those around him, and it wasn't lost on those around him. And so one of, his, uh, one of his kids one day brought him a sticker that had a Bible verse on it, and the verse was Isaiah 43, verse 2, which is in our passage this morning. And so I thought it would be neat for us to consider this verse and the verses surrounding it this morning, and that we can all take comfort from, from these. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these verses and then pray, and then we'll get going. This is Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes, and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, 
whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it reveals to us our need for you and how it reveals to us that you have provided for that need. And so we ask this morning that, you're, that you would open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, so just a little bit of context here before we take a look at the passage. We're in Isaiah 43. What's going on here is that the prophet Isaiah is actually writing for, uh, for mostly for a future audience. He is looking ahead to a time when the people of Israel, who have rebelled against God, both the nation and its leaders, and they're going to be taken away in exile and captivity to Babylon. They're going to be taken from their home, from their special land, and subjugated to a foreign power because of their sin. And despite all this, despite this grim future that's coming, Isaiah is reminding them that the Lord has not left them, that he is still with them, and that their exile will not last forever. But Isaiah's message is not just for them, it is also for us today, the people of God, in 2023. And the message is simple, the Lord saves. The fact that the Lord saves is meant to be a great comfort to his people, especially when they are going through trials and suffering and tribulation. And so how does the Lord save? We're going to consider three ways that the Lord saves this morning from the text. The first is that the Lord saves by creating a people for himself. The second is that the Lord saves by ransoming or rescuing his people. And then third, he saves by preserving, keeping, protecting his people. So he creates, he ransoms and he preserves. And ultimately what we'll see is that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right, so first, we are comforted because God creates his people. In verse one, we are reminded that God is the creator. He spoke, created everything out of nothing, everything that we see, everything we don't see. First, he, he created sun, moon, stars. He created plants and animals and humans. He created all of it. And just as he brought all of creation into existence, he also brought a special people for himself into existence, called to be his own, so that he could be their God and that they could be his people. Think of Abraham, right? He called Abraham to trust him, to leave his home, to go to a land that was strange and weird and not his own. And God promised that he would give him a great nation and that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. All of the families of the earth would be blessed. And Abraham hadn't done anything to merit God's favor. This was God acting unilaterally to call Abraham and through him to create a people for himself. 
And so Abraham, of course, had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob. And Jacob is one of the words that Isaiah uses here to refer to the people of God. And he's reminding them of their identity, that God had especially called them out and created them as a people for himself, for himself. And so they are reminded, Isaiah is reminding the people that are in exile, that are being disciplined for their sin, that the Lord is theirs, they belong to him. It says at the end of verse 1, you are mine. So Isaiah is reminding these people, you are the Lord's. And these truths extend to us as we've been learning, as we've been going through Galatians together. We know that the people of God include both Jews and Gentiles who have been born again, who have been recreated by the Spirit, who have repented of their sins and turned to Christ in faith. And so we are God's people. We are part of his family. He says to us, you are mine. And we didn't do anything to earn our way into this family. And we can't do anything to unearn our way out of the family. And so when we are going through suffering, when we're going through hardship, when we're going through trials, we don't need to fear that God has abandoned us. Remembering that we are God's people can comfort us during that time. The mess we're in, the suffering we're experiencing, it might be our own doing. It might be the doing of someone else. Or it might be the doing of just living in a fallen world. Regardless of what we're going through, he will not leave us or forsake us because we are his people. And his very character demands that he stay committed to us. So we are comforted knowing that God has created a people, okay, first of all, and that he is committed to those people. That gives us comfort. And second of all, we are comforted knowing that God ransoms his people. No price is too high, no cost is too steep for God to ransom his people, to rescue them, to save them. He is our Savior. In verse 3, it says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. These words would have reminded the people of Israel about how God had previously rescued them, how he had delivered them from slavery to Pharaoh. God's faithfulness in the past gives his people confidence to trust him with their future. The exiled people in Babylon who are stuck there can believe that God will rescue them just as he had rescued them out of Egypt. Now they found themselves in exile because of their sin, as I mentioned before. The, the, the second half of chapter 42 in Isaiah kind of recounts the fact that they were deaf and blind, constantly rejecting God. So they were suffering because of their sin. Sin has consequence. And so sometimes we suffer because of our own foolish decisions, our decisions to worship created things rather than the creator. And so that is one way we can suffer because God is disciplining us and drawing us back to himself through the consequences of our actions. 
And that was certainly the case with Israel here. But suffering can also take place in other ways. You can suffer because other people have sinned against you. And we experience the effects of other people's foolish decisions or actions. And we experience pain. Or we can suffer because we live in a fallen world where things are broken and they're not how they're supposed to be. And so we may suffer because someone we love has hurt us. We may suffer because of physical health or mental health problems that we're experiencing. We may experience job loss or joblessness. We could experience the rejection of friends, family, the culture because of what we believe. Suffering and trials can take lots of different forms and have lots of different causes. But even in our suffering, when we are broken down, whether it's our fault or someone else's, look at how God views us. Verse 4, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. We are precious, we are honored, we are loved. God knows who we really are. God knows what we have done. Nothing is hidden from him. And yet, in his eyes, we are precious. Let that sink in. Consider your own life. How precious do you feel? How honorable do you feel? How lovely do you feel? If we are honest with ourselves, we realize we don't deserve to be valued by God. We don't deserve for him to treasure us. And yet we are. And because we are precious in his eyes, God is willing to pay any price, the highest price, to ransom us, to rescue us, to save our lives. And ultimately, that cost was his son, the second person of the Trinity. The Son of God assumed a human nature and became like us. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He died on the cross, atoning for our sins. And he rose from the grave, securing eternal life, for his people, and he ascended into heaven where today he is interceding for you and for us right now. John 3, 16, familiar to everyone, including the children in the room, I'm sure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Matthew 20.28, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ was given as a ransom for many. He was given in exchange for us. I, uh, 
I'm going to seminary right now, part-time, some of you know that. And I was in class a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this. We were talking about the, the son, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and kind of the implications of that. And the professor used a really helpful analogy that I resonated with strongly. Uh, he said that uh, when you think about what God the Father gave up, a, a, an earthly father, many of us, most of us, would much rather put ourselves in harm's way than to put one of our children in harm's way. We'd rather suffer for our kids to spare them from suffering. And just thinking about that, that certainly resonated with me. That's the case in my life. I think it helps drive home and helps us to understand what God the Father gave up in sacrificing God the Son for us. I think that can be a little abstract for us sometimes, certainly is for me. But he was given as the ransom price for us. And that can give us great comfort. And just as God would eventually bring his people out of Babylon, their exile will not last forever. We know that God is working even today to bring his people to their spiritual home. He is bringing, as this chapter says, people to himself from the four corners of the world, from the east, the west, north, south, sons and daughters, people from every nation and tribe and tongue crying out together, salvation belongs to the Lord, our God, who sits on the throne. God has ransomed us from our sins so that we can dwell with him. And so we are comforted. God has created us as his people. God has ransomed us as his people. And finally, God preserves his people. God preserves his people. So you may be thinking, maybe, especially if you, right now you are in a difficult season in your life, uh, well, this is great. God's created a people, and God's ransomed a people, and that's good news, because when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not going to go to hell. That's great. Awesome. But right now, life is really hard. What am I supposed to do in the moment when I'm suffering or hurting? Let's read verse 2 again. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Do you notice the use of the word when in this verse? When you pass through waters, when you pass through rivers, when you walk through fire, when you walk through flame. God's word presumes that Christians in this life will experience trial, will experience suffering. We will pass through waters, we will pass through rivers, we will walk through fire. Suffering should not surprise us. In fact, we should expect it. But notice the promises that God makes. He promises to be with his people during those dark times of their life. And he promises that they will not be consumed. They will not be destroyed. God is with us and he is in control. When we pass through waters, what does he say? I will be with you. 
When we pass through rivers, what does he say? They shall not overwhelm you. You won't drown. When we walk through fire, what does he say? It will not consume you. When you are pain, when you are afflicted, when you experience loss, fear not. Remember that God is with you. He is in control. He loves you. He is preserving you, and he will carry you home. When we are suffering, we can rest in God's presence and in his word, the truth, the promises of his word. But not only that, God also uses other people to help us in times of our distress. We as the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, we can help each other when we are suffering. Uh, Earlier I mentioned that the the inspiration for the sermon was due to a season of suffering that a guy I know was going through, and it may not have taken you much detective work to figure out who I was talking about. Uh, that person was me. And yeah, I was going. I had a, I had a tough, tough season in my life within the last couple years. Uh, I experienced pain unlike I had experienced yet in my life. Uh, I had periods of just severe anxiety, uh, a loss of joy. Things that used to bring me pleasure didn't make me happy anymore. Uh, I cried out for peace of mind. Uh, many days, it was hard to get out of bed for me. Um, it, was, it was pretty miserable. It was miserable for me. It was miserable for my family. And uh, my kids could pick up on what I was going through. And uh, as I mentioned before, one of my four beautiful children brought home a sticker from school with the words of Isaiah 43, 2 on it. I still, uh, sermon prop, I still have it here in my, in my wallet. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you, Isaiah 43, 2. And it was a wonderful encouragement to me, but here's, here's the deal. That sticker didn't solve my problems. It didn't immediately make me feel better. It didn't bring peace and joy immediately back into my, now, into my life, but it did help me to keep going. It did help me to keep going, that encouragement from another person. And so what I learned during that season, which I knew before, but hadn't really experienced firsthand, was just how necessary the people of God are for each other to carry us through the hard seasons of our life. I mean, for me, most immediately, it was my wife who was with me every day, praying for me, being patient and forgiving me, and just being by my side the whole time. And my children were there. They would write me cards and give me hugs, say they were praying for me, tell tell me that they were loving me, that they loved me. And so kids, kids in here, do you know that you can help your parents out? Aren't they the ones who are supposed to like, take care of you, right, and give you everything? Well, you can actually help them. You can pray for your family, your parents. Sometimes you might notice they're going through a hard time, right? You can pray for them. You can encourage them by giving them hugs and kisses and drawing them pictures. And you can do that for your brothers and sisters too, okay? You should, you should do it for them. 
do for your brothers and sisters. You can help them, your friends at school. And then there's this church family. So I had my immediate family, my nuclear family, and then church family, who is, it was wonderful. There were people in this church who knew what I was going through and what my family was going through and were praying for me and supporting us during that time. And it was an amazing blessing. But even those who didn't know what I was going through, part of this church, they were blessing me and they didn't even know it. Because I got to come here every Sunday morning and it was a refuge from the battle of my mind every week. And so I got to gather with the people of this church and be graciously ministered to by the Spirit through song and the Word and the Lord's Supper. And it was a foretaste of heaven. I did not want to leave here <laughs> on Sundays. It was so wonderful. And I, and I knew in my mind how important it was to gather together as the people of God. But it took that experience for me to actually understand it and believe it. So I want to encourage two groups of you in this room right now. The first group are those of you who are suffering right now, whatever that might look like. If you are suffering and you haven't shared that with anybody, please tell somebody. Tell a friend, tell a community group leader, tell a pastor, tell a deacon, tell me. I'd be happy to pray for you and talk to you and listen. We also have three wonderful biblical counselors in this church, Jackie and Sarah and Danielle, who would love to meet with you and help you as well. Just don't suffer alone. Don't suffer in silence. God has given each other for each other. And the second group are those who are not suffering right now. And so first of all, I just want to encourage you to kind of prepare for your own season of suffering. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to happen. And so be storing up God's word in your heart now so that you are prepared for when that storm comes. But also be on the lookout for those around you who might need help. Be sensitive to where the spirit might be leading you to another person who you can talk to and ask questions of and listen and pray for and just be a presence in their life for. God can and does use his people to help carry each other home. I'm going to close this morning by reading a passage of great comfort. Passages from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And as you listen to these promises from the Lord, just rejoice in your heart all that God has promised for us. And if it's hard to believe them right now, ask God to help you believe these words. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please pray with me. Father, we praise you and thank you for creating and forming us as a people for yourself. Thank you that you are our God and that we are your people. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for ransoming us from our sins through the work of Christ. And Father, we we praise you for preserving us through the trials of this life by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would give us faith to trust that you are with us, that you are preserving us, that you do love us. And especially when that is hard to believe, God, please give us, please give us the grace to trust you. You are the God of all comfort. You comfort us in all our afflictions, and this makes us able to comfort those who are suffering with the same comfort that we receive from you. So please help us as a church to live holy and upright lives, to persevere through suffering, and to walk with and support each other during the stormy trials of this life. We praise you and ask you for these things in your son's precious name. Amen.